Bolton McGee for TKD. All right, welcome in, fellas, to Mo and McGee for TKD. Mo, how's it going? Hey, Kevin, it's great to be back, baby. Uh, another year of the pod. I'm hoping this year um, we kind of evolve into more of a fantasy football podcast, not a league podcast. Obviously, we're still going to talk about a league. It's Mo and McGee on TKD, but um, maybe we branch out a little bit, talk more about individual players than uh, league happenings. Yeah, I think you can kind of expect that, especially after this initial one where we kind of cover some keepers and some league-specific things, but kind of more generalized after that. Yeah, and I say we dive right into a very league-specific thing. There's kind of two big developments that have happened, a rule change, and then obviously everyone has put in their keepers. Um, I found there was a lot of interesting choices couple easy ones you could see it from a mile away um, what caught your eye the most Kevin um, maybe something that wasn't uh, a real tough choice but maybe my, my, one of my more favorite ones was uh, Carter keeping CD in the 10th I think a lot of people are really really high on CD and even projecting to be a wide receiver one so you can steal a wide receiver one in the 10th round um, he's really going to make out pretty good on that you know yeah, I think it opens it up, opens Carter's draft up to take some shots at running backs that maybe um, when a wide receiver run happens, he doesn't have to jump in on that. He can kind of get those uh, running backs that fall down the board. Um, yeah, I love that one, too. Uh, and you kind of uh, if you look at all the keepers, there's quite a bit of second year players. Uh, why do you, I mean, do you think that's a place where people are seeing value in second year players yeah I, I think that's something that's really common um uh, at least across um the fantasy community was a lot of anticipation and these second year backs taking that leap um second year backs cd as a second year receiver judy as a second year receiver um you know these guys have good solid rookie seasons and you're, you're really looking for a lot of value so we drafted these guys pretty late in the draft um with anticipation now in their second year really taking that leap into you know hopefully elite territory so a lot of swinging for the fences on these picks um which i think is what you really need to do with your keeper yeah and i was gonna ask that kevin who do you see out of all the rookies this year right maybe rising up draft boards as people are seeing uh, these rookies hit as keepers. Yeah, I, I thought ETN would be kind of flying up there, um, but with the foot injury, it's going to fall off. I think Najee's going to be in a spot where you aren't going to get any value for him um, in the next year. So I, I think you have to look at some of those um, rookie receivers, maybe Devonta. Um, I, I'd say Devonta's probably my favorite at this point. Yeah, uh, I mean... Smitty, he's good. Uh, Kevin, what do you want to say about it? He's best player in college last year. Um, I think he's walking into a big opportunity uh, in Philly. Um, now, the two UNC running backs are, I find really interesting, both um, seemingly in running back one-ish roles. Um, talking about uh, Javante Williams and Michael Carter. Um, 
Michael Carter is battling in that Jets backfield. Javante Williams in the Denver backfield. Both are being pushed by veterans. Um, I think if one or two of those hits, you have a potential keeper uh, seventh, eighth round big time for next year. Yeah, big guys that'll be targeted. And you might see with our keeper rules, people will sneak up a little bit higher and take those guys in a little bit earlier spot than what you're seeing on your ESPN sheets that we know everybody's going to have. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Now, I did want to talk for just a second. I didn't have this written down, but as I'm just looking at this board, is there a bigger value in the keeper realm outside of Brad's Kelsey in the third? I mean, he's been consistently uh, – ESPN ADP has him currently – at number six, he's going number six overall in most drafts, and Brad has him as a in, a, in the third round. Yeah, uh, the only one that I would really rival up there, um, maybe, maybe two of them. I'll, I'll kind of just throw Dusty's Waller out there because I've seen a lot of drafts where Waller's going in the second, and especially with our keepers getting taken out, um, that, that is a tremendous value. The other one I'll throw out is Garrett's um, Jonathan Taylor in the third. Anytime That's you can get a back, um, you you love it. And anytime you can get a back that's projected to probably be a workhorse, yeah, feel good about it. I, I wonder how much Marlon Mack's going to sneak into that. That'll be kind of, I'm sure, something Garrett's a little bit nervous of. But uh, I, I definitely put those guys among uh, the best keepers this year for sure. You think Garrett's thinking about that uh, when he – has his big Saturday plans where he puts on his Crocs and mows the lawn. That's got to be all he's thinking about. That's all he's thinking about. Um, <laughs> I think the last thing we have to talk about, and uh, what the hell, what the hell is Hari doing? I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 you must really like Mike Evans because um, he did t- keep Evans ahead of Evans. Uh, ADP, so we just wanted to make sure nobody else snatched him up. I mean, with touchdown time thrown to him, uh, you, you know, he, he might be putting a lot of really good positions this year, but he probably wasn't available at that spot. So what do you think? Well, so he's being kept at the – can you give me that pick number, Kevin? He's being picked at 2.7. Okay, so his ADP is 33, so he's – Already kind of, I mean, it's close. But here are the other receivers going around when he kept him. You're talking about Calvin Ridley, A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson, uh, guys that are not only uh, were wide receiver ones last year, but are young and ascending talents. Um, I feel like just there's zero value in, in keeping Mike Evans there. Uh, you're kind of drafting him or keeping him, which is even worse at his ceiling. Um, yep. But it's hard. So I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, expect he, anything. He, he he might have big plans there. And Hari, I, I wish I could say that we're done ripping on you, but we're kind of we're gonna predict <laughs> the first two rounds. So when we come back to your pick, I'm sure this will probably come up again. But oh yeah. Um. Now. Let's get into some uh, fantasy analysis. We had um, a lot of players switch teams this offseason, as always. Um, I think 
each of us probably have a person at each position that switched a team that we find either interesting, we find that uh, either their value will go up or down based on this team switch. Um, we'll start out with you, Kevin. Uh, I know you wanted to talk about your Panthers a little bit. Yeah, this is the token pick on my end. Have to talk about the new QB in town, the future MVP, leading them to a Super Bowl, Smooch and Sam Darnold. <laughs> um, just about anybody who talks to me about football asks me what I thought about the Darnold trade just because, you know, it's kind of confusing a little bit maybe or just a little surprising um, to move on from Teddy straight to Sam Darnold, but... I was a fan of it. Arm talent's there. I think he gives them shots to win where Teddy was just kind of going to manage the game. Um, going to have to put up with probably 20 picks in a season, but uh, take that with the territory, I guess. Um, I, what I like about with him for fantasy is I, I think he opens up some downfield shots for Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. Um, and I've, I've heard Christian McCaffrey is going to be the, the safety valve on basically any pass protection. Um, so he could catch 100 passes again this season. I think that Panther offense, even though the defense should be taking a leap this year um, into average territory from piss poor, um, I, I think that offense will be looking a lot better with Darnold. Yeah, I'm super excited about Darnold. I had him written down as well. Um, I, you see what happened with Tannehill as, when he escaped Gase. You see what happened with Robbie Anderson with, when he escaped Gase. Any player that's anywhere close to their prime uh, and they leave an Adam Gase offense, it usually works out pretty well for them. Um, obviously, the draft ped- pedigree is there. Um, I I really like Joe Brady. I like Matt Rule. Uh, I think that offense is going to kind of take off uh, if they have a healthy Christian McCaffrey. Um, a quarterback that I wanted to talk to, a little different spectrum here, uh, is Matt Stafford got traded to the LA Rams, a former NFC Norse division foe of my Vikes. Um, I, my thing, I wanted to talk about Stafford, but more, how does he affect the two wide receivers, Bobby Trees, uh, Cooper Teacup? Um, what do you think, Kevin? Do you think he raises the already pretty high floor of those two players? I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think Goff did a lot, a pretty good job of getting them involved in shorter routes, whereas Stafford might try to push them downfield a little more. He might actually benefit the third wide receiver in that offense, um, whether that be Van Jefferson, Deshaun Jackson, or Tutu Atwell. Um, I could see them really taking being the biggest beneficiary of um, Matthew Stafford, but I, I do view it as a slight plus for both Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Yeah, I like it too. And I think another thing that will be interesting is now that um, McVay has his quarterback, does he revert to the 2018 Rams offense where it was um, a lot of passing? Obviously, Gurley was there and involved. Um, but you saw Cooper Cup and Bobby Trees have top 12 wide receiver seasons. Um, so I'm just kind of interested in what that offense looks like. And, what about from the, back back in that offense, you'd have Brandon Cooks in there as well. They were able to really support three wide receivers. So yeah. um, the, that it, it could mean really big news for Cooper Cup or Robert Woods or um, even, 
even Daryl Henderson, who knows? <laughs> he might get some good goal line work. So yeah. Um, let's talk about running backs, Kevin. Uh, who is your running back that switched teams this offseason that intrigues you? So I figured that Philip Lindsay was going to be a no-news signing out in Houston. Um, they went out, they got Ingram, they went out, or they went out a few years ago, last year, and got David Johnson. And I thought Lindsay is probably just gonna fill in, you know, make those other two running backs totally unusable. Um, but cut probably the second or third guy in that offense. But it looks like he's kind of merged ahead. David Johnson has come out and said, uh, I'm not exactly pleased with the role I'm going to have, but I guess if it makes the team better. So that tells me that he is probably buried right now. Um, and while I don't want any part of that Houston Texans offense, um, Philip Lindsay, if – I have a late pick. I, I know that I'm probably getting the starting running back there. So how do you feel about Lindsay? I think Lin, uh, Philip Lindsay is a great um, zero running back strategy type of pick. Um, if you go wide receiver heavy in your first two, three picks, you're looking for a flyer on a guy that, you know, in, in a TKD draft, running backs fly off the boards. You're going to have to hit something late if you're going to, be risk adverse and take a tight end early or take a quarterback early. Um, I think Philip Lindsay is a perfect running back to kind of, if you're going to employ a different type of strategy where you're not taking your two stud backs at the beginning, um, he's a guy to take a flyer on. Uh, Mark Ingram doesn't look like he has much left in the tank. Same for our boy, David. They're just both cashing checks at this point. I think, um, I have a little David Johnson prediction later that we'll get to, but um, I think, yeah, I think he's really interesting and kind of the same token. Um, Malcolm Brown uh, is my kind of new, uh, new running back to look at. He uh, kind of like Philip Lindsay is backup running back, switching teams to probably be a backup running back. He's in Miami and the fantasy world kind of caught storm of what happened at the preseason game for the Dolphins. Malcolm Brown out out snapped Miles Gaskin pretty significantly. I think it was like eight to four or nine to four, something with the first team. Um, obviously a bigger back than Gaskin, so you're assuming goal line work is in his package. Um, I don't necessarily want to take Malcolm Brown, but it definitely takes me off of Miles Gaskin as well. Yeah, I think. Malcolm Brown's job is to ruin every other running back um, <laughs> fantasy value on his team. And talk about a guy that I don't think he's fun to watch at all, but coaches seem to absolutely love him. Uh, I guess he's really good at pass blocking. I'm I'm not that far into watching tape that I'm watching how these guys pass block typically. <laughs> um, but That would be a it, little psycho, Kevin. It, it, it's earned him a spot, and, you know, in fantasy – a lot of times you only need 15 snaps, uh, 15 touches, um, and you're uh, at, at least a you know, rotate and bench piece. So, um, yeah, and, and like I said, when you're talking about like a Malcolm Brown or a Philip Lindsay, you're not talking about a RB1, RB2, or even really a flex play. You're looking for a lotto ticket where um, – boy, I really hope Philip Lindsay takes complete control, or boy, I hope Miles Gaskin goes down um, with those two plays. Um, let's hear about a wide receiver, uh, Kevin, that you like. 
Yeah, so Nelson Aguilar, you know, somebody who kind of busted out last season a little bit with um, a lot of opportunity out in New England, or I'm sorry, out in Las Vegas, um, opens up the season in New England, um, where we saw basically a totally barren wide receiver core. Um, and I think the only thing to say about him is we, we saw him put up the points last year, and now he has just as much opportunity in New England. So... I'm not sure I'm chomping at the bet to grab him, but he's another guy late in drafts where I'm this guy could get 80 catches this year. Um, and it might be uh, somebody who is intriguing enough to uh, come off my board. The Patriots always, always have at least one receiver that that's interesting in fantasy. Um, whether you go back, I mean, Julian Edelman has always been that guy before it was Gronk. Um, now, completely open. Um, they did sign a couple high-priced tight ends, but as far as wide receiver targets go, um, I don't, they're not going to throw the ball a ton, but 25 times, you're looking at about probably 20 targets up there for wide receivers. Nelson Especially Aguilar, in a PPR league, you, yes. you don't need a, a, a whole lot of them um, before you have to start thinking about them. So. Jacoby Myers will get some catches too. You know, I don't know who the hell's below him in the depth chart, but uh, Nikhil Harry, former first I thought he was going to get cut. Yeah, <laughs> jeez. Um, so you're, you're looking pretty rough. Opportunity's going to be there for Aguilar. How about you? What, who's your wide receiver that you're kind of intrigued on? Um, mine's Emmanuel Sanders, um, a guy that has bounced around the league the last four years. I think this is fourth different team in the last four years. Um, Seems to be kind of ring chasing at this point of his career, which is fine. But um, he was a person that last year I thought was going to step up a lot in the Michael Thomas absence. He obviously didn't. I think that was more of Drew Brees not having an arm anymore than Emmanuel Sanders' ability. Um, Josh Allen has pretty – he's been pretty effusive uh, giving praise to Emmanuel Sanders this summer. Now, when you got a target hog like Diggs in that offense and you got Cole Beasley, you're kind of looking for scraps. But if he can overtake Cole Beasley, and I don't know what Cole Beasley, I think, is going to retire tomorrow and work for Fox News or something because he's his Twitter, (laughs) his Twitter feed is already Fox News. Um, But. You know, he might miss a few games because of this COVID stuff. Doesn't seem like he wants to be uh, – it seems like he's kind of focusing on that more than football. Um, Emmanuel Sanders has been pretty vocal about him. He's he's vaxxed. Diggs is vaxxed. Um, I don't know. I honestly think that this season there will be teams that this guy is vaxxed. He is more trustworthy to us. Not because of my political thoughts about vaccines. He can play. He's not going to have to sit out 10 days if he walks by someone that has COVID. Yeah, um, You don't have to worry about him missing one or two weeks just for being a close contact. But yeah, um, look, I mean, it happened with Beasley this week. He was in contact with a trainer who had COVID. He's out for almost two full weeks of practice. I mean, that could happen easily inside the season, and Emmanuel Sanders could jump him, and now you're looking at a potential. I mean, Cole Beasley was 
very usable in fantasy last year. Um, and Emmanuel Sanders could hop into that role and, and be very usable, and he's almost free in drafts. Um, so I find that pretty interesting. Yeah, and it'll, it'll be interesting to see, is he cutting into um, Cool Beasley's load, or does this totally phase out Gabriel Davis, who, you know, surprisingly was put up a pretty good fantasy finish at the end of last year with where he was getting some of those touchdowns. So there's opportunity there, um, especially if he's jumping into um, that role that's getting a bunch of touchdowns. Absolutely. Um, and finally, let's talk about the uh, the big guys, the tight ends. Uh, who so, you got, Kevin? So I my my same face new place tight end is uh, Jared Cook. Out, yeah, out oh, there. Always tantalizing in fantasy. Uh, always, he's always that guy that is sitting kind of on the edge of uh, the tight end twos, and or not actual tight ends, but that second tier of tight ends. That you're like, man, he could be really good, or he could not catch a single ball this season. So he's out there in Los Angeles now. He'll have Herbert thrown to him. Um, that that that's going to be a spot where we saw occupied by Hunter Henry last year. Um, that proved pretty pretty profitable at times. So again, with a lot of these same face new place players, I'm I'm just looking at opportunity and thinking. It, could this be um, a spot where this guy takes a, a, pr- a pretty big leap? Or, you know, maybe, maybe he pulls a Jared Cook and uh, just disappears and only catches one <laughs> touchdown, um, one catch, one touchdown for six yards or something. And, and this is this is just like kind of the dumb sports fan in me, but I feel like, and, and this is purely just because of Antonio Gates, but how many, how many coordinators are, uh, coaches have they switched over and you're like oh the Chargers love tight ends it's like it's not even remotely close to the same no. offense that Antonio Gates was in but it's like Antonio Gates and then it was into Hunter Henry it's like oh Chargers tight end they love them <laughs> sign me up <laughs> um, mine is kind of in that same vein it's uh, Gerald Everett who switched from the Rams over to the Seahawks um, and once again the Seahawks they do have the stability, though, of Pete Carroll being there. They just switched coordinators this uh, offseason. So uh, kind of the buzz around training camp is obviously they're going to let Russ cook. It's not the same hype as it was last year, but I think um, this isn't a, a reactionary thing. I think this might be a full system switch over to uh, maybe a more pass-heavy um, system. Um if you go down the list of the last few years, the Seahawks have always had an interesting tight end, whether that be Jacob Hollister, who just switched over to the Bills, um, talking about Jimmy Graham there for a few years. Um, it's just an offense. I mean, when you're looking at pass catchers, look at the quarterbacks first. You want a good quarterback throwing. It's going to give you more efficiency on each target. Um, obviously you're going to get down to that red zone a little more. Um, he's really interesting to me just because he's on the Seahawks with Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf. It's a good offense. They're going to be in the red zone. Um, and with tight ends, if you're looking at that range, that back end range of tight ends, if you can get someone who's going to score a touchdown every couple weeks, you got someone who's usable. Yeah. Yep. And if they let Russ cook, it could be wide open. Um, I, I did want to ask, 
concerned about Will Disley or Colby Parkinson, or those guys? Or do you think Everett's really just going to separate himself? Um, Disley is obviously loved by that coaching staff. He's stuck there, even though um, he hasn't been great. I think he's going to obviously have a role, probably be in two tight end sets. I think what I've heard coming out of camp is that Gerald Everett is the guy. Um, just like I said, he's not going to be a four catch a week guy. He's going to be a two, three, hopefully one of those two or threes in the end zone for you. If you want, yeah. if you pick him or need to use him. Um, now, Kevin, I love this next segment last year in this segment, I, um, told you that I really loved Derrick Henry. Um, and I was trying to push Derrick Henry up the draft board cause I didn't like him. He ends up going out and running for 2000 yards and basically carrying Swift into the playoffs. Um, so Whoops. my, yeah, <laughs> my lie should have been a truth. Um, this year, two truths and a lie. Obviously you you guys know the deal. We're going to tell you about three players. Two of them, we're going to actually be, we're believing in them. One of them, we don't believe in at all. We're trying to fake you out. We're trying to move these people up or down the draft boards. Um, with that said, Kevin, how do you want to do this? Do you want to go back and forth? Do you want to go all three at a time? Why don't you fire off all three of yours? Okay. Um, now, mine is very Chiefs heavy, Kevin. I, I have two Chiefs players that I want to talk about here. Um, the commissioner? <laughs> yeah, the commissioner and uh, TK Daddy, Greg. Um, my first thing I want to say here is I believe Tyreek Hill finishes the year as the number one point scorer, regardless of position. Listen to this, Kevin. This is uh, his last year percentile rank amongst any player with more than 50 fantasy points. Fantasy points from the goal line. He was in the 97th percentile. You're talking about Tyreek Hill, who you assume is a field stretcher. But he's in the 97th percentile in fantasy points from the goal line. He's in the 99th percentile in fantasy points from the red zone. So once again, you're talking about what you think is just a field stretcher type guy. Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs use him in the red zone quite a bit. I believe you benefited pretty heavily from him last year, getting handoffs and little short passes. Yeah, I think he did pretty well on my team. I, th- I think that team finished pretty well. <laughs> and he is in the 99.9th percent. I mean, I'm percentile rank, you can throw it out. He is the number one player when it comes to big play fantasy points. You add that all up, Kevin. Um, I think we're looking at a Tyreek Hill season. People are uh, maybe that safety has to kind of stick in on Travis Kelsey a little more as we've seen him just completely blow up the last two years and shatter every tight end record. I think this is the year that uh, Tyreek Hill with some speed on the other side of him and Nico Hardman and Byron Pringle. I think this is the year he puts it all together and just has an unbelievable season. I think obviously that says a couple of things about a couple of running backs that I don't really believe in um, McCaffrey I don't think after you keep having season after season of heavy workload and then get injured, you just stop being injured all of a sudden. Um, Derrick Henry, 
Once again, if you go back to any stats about having over 400 touches in a season, the next season never is pretty. Uh, I think the only one that's was really good was Todd Gurley after his 400 carry or 400 touch season. Um, and so I think Tyreek Hill takes advantage of some uh, top running backs faltering and is the number one point scorer. So are you hoping that Tyreek slips to you at 12 then? Uh, yeah, you could say yeah. that. I I have you up on screen, so I had to see your face when you when I asked you that. I think I think I know what that one is. Ooh, you think I'm selling the truth, huh? Well, we'll see. That's not what I would say. <laughs> um, my second one, another Chiefs. Uh, this guy had a bad rap last year. Um, didn't get into the end zone a lot. I don't think it was his fault. Uh, I think once again he was in kind of a system where um, a lot of touchdowns went to other players. I think this year Clyde Edwards Edwards steps into the forefront. Um, once again, I already believe that Terry Kill is going to be the number one point scorer. And you're asking me, Logan, how can the Chiefs' offense support a top seven running back? which I think CEH is going to finish in the top seven of all running backs and the number one overall point score. Well, that's easy. The Chiefs are going to score a shitload of touchdowns. Um, oh. Obviously, uh, Tyreek Hill can't score all of them. And I'm already, as you can tell, kind of down on Travis Kelsey. Um, that's where CEH comes in. I think you can also get him at a discount now in drafts because uh, people are worried about, I think he has a thumb injury or something. Doesn't concern me at all. I'm all in on CEH. Um, person that, uh, once again, I think you can get kind of in the back end of, of round two, um, even on the turn maybe. Um, obviously, it probably falls out of my range. I'm not going to pick him in the top 14 just because I'm not going to have – I'm going to have better players on the board than a top seven running back. Um, but – I think that he is going to be uh, a great fantasy running back for somebody this year. Um, and my final one, this is a person I'm down on. Last year I was up on him. Uh, Joe Mixon. I think Joe Mixon falls completely out of the top 12. I think he finished as an R- as RB10 last year. Um, and that was with the thing he missed Ah, actually, I don't know if he finished high, Kevin. He, uh, he might have might have finished, finished low. Uh, I think about ten is. He got shut down at the end. Um, yes. So I think it it depends on if you're going off of points per points game for game. Or... Points for game. I think he was a top ten running back. Um, I think he falls out. Uh, uh, my thoughts here. Uh, if you go back and look at uh, Josh Allen's second season. Um, kind of a sophomore slump. Jared Goff, sophomore slump. Um, Burrow doesn't trust that knee out of all the reports in training camp. Um, shaky offensive line, bad defense. Not a great setup for a running back. Um, I know they got rid of Giovanni Bernard, so there's literally zero competition there for him. But what worries me is not competition. It's that He's been in this situation where you're like, oh, Joe Mixon, he's like a top 10 running back. Well, he's not a top 10 running back. He's RB10. He's not He's not an RB5. 
uh, he's more closer to RB 20 than he is to RB one is what I, I is kind of my thought. Um, so I think he falls outside of the top 12 running backs. I think you see some younger running backs shoot up there, mainly JK Dobbins, who somebody had the foresight of drafting in the seventh round last year and now gets to keep him. So I think a couple guys like that shoot up, uh, into the top 12 and kind of kick Joe Mixon out. And in, in our league, we'll have an opportunity to know pretty quickly if that's a lie, because he will be available at the turn more than likely. Um, so if you're really low on him, you're going to pass on him. But if you think that offense is going to be electric and he's going to get all the goal line work, we'll know pretty quickly. So that's your opinion. Well, I, I like I told you, Kevin, I think he's going to get all the work. It's it's like you said, if you believe in Joe Burrow and that offense, I think he's a fantastic pick in the top 12. If you believe that that Bengals team, Bengals, Kevin, the Bengals. I'm talking about the Patriots. I'm talking about the Bengals. If you think the Bengals are going to be a train wreck, which they more than <laughs> likely are. The Bengals are. have never been a train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just not a believer, Kevin. And you can think that's the truth or a lie, but that's the game. You, you know, if I, if I had to guess, I can see the CEH argument. I can see the Joe Mixon argument. Having a tough time seeing you all in on Tyreek Hill. I, I think Tyreek Hill very well could finish wide receiver one. It's tough for um, a receiver to finish as the overall point score number one without catching, you know, well north of 100 balls and I, has he gone over much over 100 i'm, I'm not sure it has to be travis four. kelsey has been a, a target hog he's catching the 120 balls yep. imagine if tyreek hill caught at 120 balls kevin <laughs> you'd be the number one point <laughs> scorer. he, he would be the number one point scorer wouldn't he so my, my guess is tyreek's the lie um but that's the game <laughs> all right let's Let's hear your suspect arguments. So I, I'm going to go off uh, right off the start and talk down about Justin Jefferson um, Kevin, because I cannot wait to talk Kevin, down. That's my favorite player. That's well, my good. favorite player in the NFL. And so Justin Jefferson, I think he's a great talent. I think he'll do very well this season, but I'm going to pick him to finish not a wide receiver one, uh, high end wide receiver two, which still is okay but I, I think there's a lot of risk there um you saw what adam thielen did early on in the season um with being in a, a touchdown red zone monster pulled a lot of defense off of him opened up some room for justin jefferson i think justin jefferson's a great receiver and a lot of that he took on his own but adam thielen i think had something to do with that um I think you're going to see Adam Thielen take a slight step back. You're going to see more attention attention to Justin Jefferson this year. And oh yeah, by that way, by the way, that Vikings off or defense that was fucking so horrible last it year. It was atrocious. It was it was, it was, it was awful. Um, I, I think is going to return. You know, maybe not top echelon, but to be a very good to be a good defense again. Um, they're not going to have to score as many points. They're going to be able to play Zimmer ball and. Um, kind of feed Dalvin and leave the opportunities to more play action, um, shots downfield. I think Justin Jefferson is going to lose some opportunities this year um, and is 
not quite going to have enough to finish wide receiver one, but I would put him in wide receiver two territory. All right, Kevin. Uh, I don't know about that. You're talking about a guy who is currently being drafted as wide receiver eight, which is firmly in wide receiver one territory, finished his last season's wide receiver five. He didn't even start the first two games, didn't play. Um, so I don't know, Kevin. Uh, I trust that you don't believe in the Vikings, but <laughs> is that is that that obvious, man? No. But Justin Jefferson is special. I don't know. Well, I'm gonna have to hear the other two. Here we go. Okay. Okay. So uh, my, my my second and two truths and a lie is James Conner. So for he could have very easily shown up in the same face, new place category um, as he is over in Arizona now. But I think um, he's being overlooked. I think a lot of people are hammering on Chase Edmonds being, oh, he's going to get all three downs now. Um, he's going to have, he's going to catch 60 balls and get some goal line work. And he scored a lot of touchdowns um, in the red zone, even receiving last year. Um, it looks like people are kind of pushing their chips towards Chase Edmonds. But I think this backfield is going to be split more 50-50. And the argument behind James Conner a lot of the time is he just can't stay healthy. Well, what's the best thing for somebody that can't stay healthy? Cut their snaps in half. Um, so you're going to see Connor on the field more, um, maybe not not more snaps in a, in a game or anything, but uh, longer throughout the season. And uh, take a guess, um, Ezekiel Elliott and Delvin Cook were the top two uh, inside the five runners last year. They each had, I think, 26 attempts. Guess who was number three? I'm guessing it's James Connor. No, it wasn't. It was Kenyon Drake. But Kenyon Drake is no more in Arizona, and I don't think if the, if the Cardinals gave Kenyon Drake 22 carries inside the five last year, they're not going to all of a sudden change their minds and think Chase Edmonds is that guy. It's going to be James Conner. That's going to be his job, and he's going to be better at it than Kenyon Drake. So uh, I, I think James Conner is being slept on. Um, hmm. I remember you pretty well trashed me for dra- drafting James Conner last year, and you specifically drafted his uh, heir apparent, is what you thought, Benny Snell, late in drafts. Um, that didn't materialize, but um, you sure did keep, keep him on your roster all year. <laughs> uh, I could I could still keep him. You can put in a no, keepers are spot. done, Kevin. Keepers <laughs> are done. Greg got the mm-hmm. one-time TK Daddy uh, referendum. Um, but I don't, that one's fishy to me, Kevin, because you've never, you've, I think you've been a James Conner, uh, trasher, uh, for, since he's been in the NFL. So I don't know if you can quit, quite change your tune just on a team switch, but I know you love that Arizona backfield. You I feel do. very confident in it. You just know what Cliff's going to do out there, huh? I, I've had Arizona running backs for the last three years, I think. Wow. And so... Last guy here in the court or in uh, two truths and a lie is Cortland Sutton. Um, so we will not have the opportunity to draft Jerry Judy in this league this year, as he was kept by Greg. But good news for everybody is Cortland Sutton is still available. Teddy has been named the Week One starter, um, and I, you saw what Teddy did with Robbie Anderson out there last year. Uh, Robbie Anderson, we all thought was dead in the water. Can't believe he's get he got picked in the tenth round last year, but. He, for most of the season, he was a wide receiver one. Um, and the good news is Cortland Sutton is bringing, I think, wide receiver one talent to the position. 
as well. Um, so he, he had one of those guys with a decent rookie season, six touch or uh, four touchdowns, comes out with a solid um, Pro Bowl second season, um, over a thousand yards, and um, you know got hurt last year. He came in with a shoulder injury and then um, had the bad knee to kind of end the season. Um, but he'll be back out there. Chris Harris, when he was on the uh, Denver Broncos, said that Cortland Sutton should have been a top five pick. So firmly believe that Cortland Sutton has the talent to be an exceptional wide receiver. And I think with um, the ability to kind of switch between Teddy and Drew Locke and kind of get, if Teddy's not getting it done, you have the opportunity to switch to Drew Locke halfway through the season. I th- I think he's going to get a lot of opportunity. Um, and he's got the talent to make the most of it. So let me get this straight. Justin Jefferson, outside wide receiver one. James Conner being slept on. You didn't really put a number on that one. And Cortland Sutton also being slept on. Didn't really put a number on that. But you said a lot of wide receiver one-ish things about him. Yeah. If you want me to put something on Cortland Sutton, I think he'll be high-end wide receiver two. Okay. High-end. So you think Justin Jefferson and Cortland Sutton are similar type upside players? Hmm. I'm going to say James Conner is the lie. I think you don't – I there's no way you just switch to liking James Conner. Um, I, I personally agree with what you said. I think he does have a lot, lot of opportunity out in Arizona. But I think that – I believe that you don't like him as a talent. So I don't know. But what, what do I know? That's the game. I love that segment. That's my favorite segment. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Now, something that we uh, probably do in our text messages quite a bit is predict what's going to happen in the first two rounds. I've seen Brad spin mocking his ass off. I've been doing 100 mocks. That just got rendered completely useless today after or yesterday when Greg switched to Jerry Judy. Um, So now I'll have to run 100 more mocks. Uh, before our draft but um, we're just going to kind of go through not necessarily pick by pick um, but maybe talk about kind of what's going to happen in the first two rounds Um, as I've been doing my research Kevin uh, obviously it's kind of a long wait for me to go from uh, my second round pick over into my third round pick so I looked up uh, how many wide receivers were taken in the first three rounds of our fantasy draft last year. Um, do you have any guess on how many? So if I remember last year was a little bit less running back heavy than I think we anticipated in the first two rounds. Um, so if I had to put a number on it, I would say that they're in the first three rounds, I'm going to say 12 taken. There was even more than that, Kevin, 17 Holy. wide receivers were taken. Uh, in last year's draft, or in last year's first three rounds. Now, including the third round kind of skews that quite a bit because third round is prime wide receiver territory. Um, So if you move it up into the second round, that number does go down quite a bit. Um, But do you find that wide receivers are going to be pushed up the board a little bit this year than others, uh, similar to last year where you're seeing Maybe a lot of those kind of mid-tier running backs, DeAndre Swift, Antonio Gibson, Daryl Henderson, J.K. Dobbins, uh, Jonathan Taylor get picked or kept. 
uh, where that kind of middle pack of RBs gets taken out, maybe pushes some wide receivers up the board. Yeah, I mean, they're totally taken right out of the pool. So I think some running backs kind of scoot up with that, maybe beyond some other wide receivers, just because diminishing supply. Um, but I think definitely for the most part, you just slide everybody up. So you're going to see it probably long runs of wide receivers um, that are mostly unbroken by other positions. I, I, I think there will be quite a bit of creep up. All right, Kevin, I'm going to put your your nuts to the fire here. How many receivers go in round one and who are they? Okay. Well, well, we don't have to go through this pick by pick, but I'm going to take either Dalvin or CMC. Um, if I take CMC, I, I think that shows that I think that he's in a different tier because I think Dalvin is the safer of the two picks. We're going to put CMC in there for now, but I, I would consider them similar tier um, unless you see me take Christian McCaffrey first. Then I think that he has separated himself as the clear number one. Yeah, I mean, and like I kind of said earlier with Christian McCaffrey, I'm not necessarily a believer uh, that he's going to all of a sudden be 17-game healthy running back again. Um, but if he is, and like you said, all reports out of training camp is that Darnold loves McCaffrey um, and that he could be a 100-catch guy. He's obviously a tier above Dalvin. Dalvin's not catching 100 balls, not even necessarily catching 50 balls. Um, I mean, obviously, he's been around 50 the last two years, which makes him up to that tier. But when you're talking about an extra 50 points on top of that. I think two years ago, he outscored the next closest by hundreds of points. You got to take him if you think that's his ceiling. Definitely. And, you know, kind of on the second pick, uh, I'm sure if, if Dalvin's there, Carter's going to scoop him up. And I'm sure if Christian McCaffrey's there, Carter's yeah. going to scoop First him up. First two picks are pretty simple. So that's Token McCaffrey. No. Third, you're going to see Luke take Alvin Kamara. I would be shocked to see anything else. Um, I, I really don't know if there's a big conversation of, besides maybe Zeke. Um but I, I think that's pretty squarely Kamara. Yeah. Fourth. Um, this is where it gets really interesting to me because um, this next tier of running backs, I think those first three are kind of uh, all by themselves when you're talking about McCaffrey, Cook, Kamara, guys that are going to catch over 50 balls, run the ball, be the primary running back in the red zone for their teams as well. Um, this is a tier, though, when you're talking about Zeke, Barkley, Nick Chubb. Um, if you want to take running back, Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones, these are guys that everything has to go right in order to, to for them to jump into that top tier. And, you know, if it was anybody else picking, I, I might slow a little bit. Unless Woods really liked having Nick Chubb last year, <laughs> he's going to pick Zeke. Um, yep. He can't Cowboy be a Cowboy fan, fan if he's Cowboy. So I think you should just take Dak there if you really want to <laughs> You got You got to play it safe. You got to make sure you get him. Um, okay, so Zeke there, and then I think you start thinking about uh, wide receivers. So Kramer has Swift in the fourth round, could conceivably think wide receiver. Um, personally, I'm seeing him go either Barkley or Chubb, maybe even Eckler. Uh, Kramer's always a pretty risk-averse uh, fantasy drafter, usually um, has been pretty safe with his picks. Not necessarily that his picks are good, 
but that they're usually safer. He does like to take injury guys late in drafts just because he thinks that I think, I mean, obviously that is a value, not that he thinks it is a value taking injury guys, stuffing them on your IR for a few weeks um, doing that. And that's where I see the Saquon Barkley come in um, guy coming off injury uh, drafting him at five overall could honestly be a discount. If we see Barkley's rookie season pop back up. Yeah, it's a gamble, and you know, like you said, maybe not something Kramer typically does, but he's also has an unreal ceiling. If 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 you see him return to that, and with the addition of Galladay there, that offense might be better. Um, might open up some opportunities. Yeah, and at number six, uh, you already have Hari keeping a wide receiver in the second, so he almost has to go running back as well. Otherwise, he's getting no value. So this is probably where you see a Chubb or Aaron Jones. Um, do you think him being a pick ahead of Aaron Jones, knowing Hari, or sorry, a pick ahead of Brad, knowing that who Hari is, he's going to take Aaron Jones in front of Brad. He's going to take the Packer in front of Brad just to piss Brad off. Yeah, That's what I'll Hari propose, does. I'll propose another scenario. He's going to leave Aaron Jones on the board. So then Brad has to sit there and make the decision between Devonta Adams or Aaron Jones. Um, we'll put Aaron Jones on the board there for now. I, I think that I, I could definitely see Hari, you know, paying maybe a little bit more attention to the NFC North um, going with Aaron Jones. So then we have Brad, who had kept Kelsey in the third. What do you think? I, I mean, obviously, uh, as a Packer, big Packer, Devonta Adams makes sense here, but... I think Brad, uh, I don't know. Uh, obviously, I skew running back here. I think that he probably takes Nick Chubb and gets his running back and runs because he already has Kelsey in the third, knows that he doesn't have a chance of getting probably a great running back in the second. And this is where you're kind of in that tier where, um, you know, if you don't take one of the top seven backs, you're looking at some question marks in that second round. Um, and that's why keeping a running back like an Antonio Gibson, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins is so much more valuable than another position um, because we are taking that tier out and forcing other players up the board where we can kind of reap the benefits. But uh, I think yeah. I think Brad goes running back because he has to. He absolutely has to because, like you said, coming back around at six, um, the six pick in the second – Probably not going to be a lot there. And, oh, yeah, because he kept Kelsey, he's not going to get a third-round pick. So he's if he doesn't take a running back first, uh, in, first in the first round, he's totally committed to uh, zero RB. And I think he's just done too many mock drafts um, to put himself in that position. Yeah, and so when you're looking at that back, like running backs, we're talking about David Montgomery being your RB1, Miles Sanders being your RB1, not what, yeah. you, want to walk, yeah, not what you want to walk out of draft night with. Um, okay. This, so then, this is where yeah. the first receiver comes off here, uh, and that's because, like I said, uh, Garrett has a great running back keeper in Jonathan Taylor. I probably, I mean, for me, and he's an RB one. Uh, he gets him in uh, in the third round, so that makes this a massive value because he gets whoever he thinks is uh, wide receiver one, he gets him, and that, like I said with my Tyree Kill prediction, could pay massive dividends. I'm going to put Devontae there because he's con- consensus wide receiver one across the board. Yeah, I agree um, with in, you. In, in every format, and when when in doubt, I'm just going to look up the ESPN rankings and assume whoever is picking there is picking that guy. Um, 
so I, I will put Adams there, which brings us to Greg. Um, at nine with Tyreek Hill on the board. Is that an auto pick, or do you think he's going to give it a little more thought? Um, I think there's two different ways he goes here. Um, Greg is obviously a big Chiefs fan, so he watches a lot of, uh, what are they, the AFC West? Watches yep. some AFC West football. Um, Austin Eckler, I think, maybe pops into his mind. But if he can secure a wide receiver tandem of Tyreek Hill and Jerry Judy, I think he probably goes that way. This is a guy that you've seen draft Chiefs early, took Patrick Mahomes in the second round, I believe, last year. Um, so he will draft Tyreek Hill if he falls. Okay. And then, of course, Swift uh, with the 10th pick has kept Derrick Henry. So no decision going on there. Uh, getting close to Moe's pick, uh, Dusty has the opportunity to scoop one more player off the board, and this is going to be, um, if it shakes out this way, Austin Eckler, hands down. I don't even think, um, I don't yeah. think anybody else is even considered. I believe he was uh, on Dusty's team last year, if I'm not mistaken. No, he was a Kevin McGee pick, actually. Uh, um, so Dusty kept him last year and traded him. Traded him, yeah. So he he was a Dusty player. Um I think he probably goes back to that well, probably regret, regret regretted trading him as Eckler had a big stretch run um, and helped Gavin win the fantasy championship, obviously. So, People uh, forget, though. People forget. Uh, did not have a finished week. third out of this. Um, so he, he did benefit from that as well. Uh, it looked like he was going to be threatened with beer mile territory, and then he went on a, a big win streak after that trade. So I think he's going to be very pleased to have Austin Eckler back. Um, but let's not forget, Dusty was no slouch there last year. Yeah, and so, so far we've gotten to pick 12 here, and I kind of put you on the spot, said how many wide receivers, how many. Right now, as we're going through this, only two. Two of the first 11 picks are wide receivers. Does that kind of, looking at it, does it kind of jar you as the number one wide receiver in fantasy, or the number two wide receiver in fantasy? Sorry, Stefan Diggs has still not been picked. Uh, scored a lot more points than these running backs as well. Yeah, it's surprising a little bit uh, that somebody that's probably pretty sure um, to be a wide receiver one, um, just about as sure as you can probably get to be a wide receiver one, uh, isn't off the board in the first round with all um, these running backs coming off. But it just speaks to with these players being kept, you have to get a running back. And if you don't, you're going to be left in the dust. So the only way I see the shading out differently is if one person picks a wide receiver a little bit earlier. Um, I I firmly believe that you're going to um, come up on the clock with either two or three wide receivers taken ahead of you. Um, The question is, are you going to grab a running back or are you going to double down on um, kind of that, that top wide receiver tier? Uh, you kind of referenced it with Brad. Um, you think the pick is going to be running backs because he's taken, he's been doing too many mocks to not. Well, similar, been doing a lot of mock drafts. Obviously, zero running back has popped into my head um, a few times. Uh, when you look at the running backs left, you're looking at Najee Harris, Joe Mixing, CEH. Um, I already told you I believe in CEH. Um, told you I don't believe in Joe Mixon. Uh, but then after that, after those three guys, those are three kind of the, not necessarily workhorses, but lead backs. After that, 
Miles Sanders, Gross, Chris Carson, Rashad Penny's pushing, David Montgomery could be good. Was it just a really easy stretch run that he had? Kareem Hunt, not even the RB1 on his team. Miles Gaskin, you've seen what that happens. James Robinson, bad offense, switching quarterbacks. Did get a break with the Travis Etienne injury, though. Um, So I've been thinking a lot about wide receiver, wide receiver at the turn. Um, I think personally having J.K. Dobbins in the seventh allows me to attack the wide receiver uh, position. And if the board falls this way where I can get my two wide receivers back who carried me to the championship last year in Diggs and Metcalf, I think that's really tempting. Obviously, Hopkins, Calvin Ridley, A.J. Brown, all right there, probably wide receiver uh, ones, all of them. But I'm going to take the safety, uh, and I'm going to tell you just one pick. My If the board falls this way, Kevin, I am taking Stefan Diggs at 112. Uh and we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, that, that's going to be a game day decision, I think. Um, that second pick. On the way coming back, yeah. I think you would be foolish to pick anybody besides Najee. Um, Najee is kind of in a unique position where he could get 750 touches in his first two years. Um, I'm pretty firmly set in, in, in my mind that you're going to be forced into taking somebody like Najee Harris, somebody like Joe Mixon, or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in that second round. I don't think you're going to put all your eggs in the Dobbins basket for him to be your running back one. Um, so as as appealing as it probably is to go wide receiver, wide receiver, I'm seeing you go Najee. Uh, that's a bad offensive line, Kevin. It is. A real bad offensive line. <laughs> he could be um, RB1 next year. So and I, with it, uh, all I'm saying is... Yes, I think Najee Harris, kind of like Joe Mixon, is going to get all the work. Do you think that's going to be good work, though? Uh, I personally, AFC uh, North running backs don't really, any of them outside of Chubb, do I like. So you can mock me, Najee Harris, all you want. But if I could have an opportunity with two wide receivers that each score 20 points a week, you know, I'm there. But you can leave Najee in there for now. We'll leave him in there because I think it makes some of these other decisions really interesting. Okay. So um, on the way back, Dustin's going to have an opportunity at kind of that middling running back territory of going with Mixon again, who had plagued him last year. Um, Clyde Edwards-Lair, or he can get a top wide receiver. And, and I you got to go top receiver after picking RB in round one. Yep. So I think DK, and we're, we might go a little bit faster here. Swift on the way back. I, I will make a comment on this. I think Swift loves picking players that other pl- other fantasy um, members like. I could see Justin Jefferson getting kind of maybe reached for here. He's not afraid to grab a guy early if he knows that there's going to be appeal otherwise. Yeah, and obviously, I think all uh, most of the Vikings are kind of pushed to the front of the draft with uh, Kramer and Hari and uh, Carter up there. Um, but I agree with you. I think uh, he likes being the thorn, as Hari does as well. So I can see him reaching for the bike. Okay. So on the way back, um, Greg has Tyree Kill and Jerry Judy locked up, two wide receivers. I don't think he can afford to do a triple dip on that. I He's think kind he of faced... jumps at Joe Mixon or CEH. Yeah. Dude. I wonder if he'll be nervous about 
the Kansas City stack or if he's going to be in love with the Kansas City stack. I think that'll be an interesting decision if it falls this way. Yep. Uh, I'm going to mock him. Joe Mixon, yeah. Yep, mock him Mixon. Garrett? Uh, Garrett, yeah. Yes, he, he has a great opportunity to go wide receiver, wide receiver with that RB1 already stashed in the third round. Uh, he can take advantage of a guy like uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who could potentially finish as the wide receiver one in fantasy. Can't argue with that. Brad, uh, right now is Nick Chubb and Kelsey in our mock. Um, I, I, he had A.G. Brown last year, plagued him a little bit, but I could see him kind of going back to that well. I think he's also probably very high in Calvin Ridley. I, I'm going to... If, if, if it was strictly up to me, I would say Calvin Ridley. Here. Okay, I'm going to go a different route, Kevin. Um, I think that he's going to look at his team currently constructed, if it falls this way, with an RB1 sitting there. He has the tight end one. Does he go after Patrick Mahomes and get the, the three number one special and just lock up? the best uh, stack that you can maybe get in fantasy with Mahomes and Kelsey. I think it's an intriguing, an in- intriguing question. I think maybe the most like critical thing in this draft with how it'll shake out um, as it comes back to the front is where Mahomes actually goes. If you think that Brad could reach Mahomes here, I could see it. Um, uh, but I believe you are right with a wide receiver pick here. Take your take your number one receiver. Uh, have a have a great number one option at all three flex positions. Uh, take your take your quarterback later. He wants Rodgers. Yeah. So perfect. Um, Chubb, Ridley, and Kelsey for Brad. Um, so then it comes up to Hari. And uh, do you think uh, Hari would want AJ Brown here? <laughs> uh, oh, AJ Brown. He's going to be kicking himself. C-H- I feel bad. Uh, yeah, a lot of great options uh, that are still on the board. Mike Evans, I think he might have even lasted to Hari in the third round, just the way this draft's falling. Yeah, so, uh, ouch. Ouch, Hari. I, I said we were going to come back to that. Um, coming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're at Saquon and Swift um, for Kramer's team. I, I, in my head, I could... I want Kramer to pick another running back there, but he, with roster construction, it's probably AJ Brown. I'll throw another name out there, George Kittle. What, what are you thinking? He got burned hard taking Kittle in the second round last year. I don't think he goes back to that well. Um, now, something you said jumps at me, and I think Kevin or I think Kramer is an opportunist where he sees if he can get this last uh, RB one in theory. CEH off the board and have a triple threat at running back. Um, he's an old school ground and pound guy. I think he goes that way. Uh, if do you think you think wide receiver, I want him to pick CEH. I think that is, I think that triple threat that gives them depth um, when you know Saquon injury concerns, Clyde Edwards-Helaire, you know maybe some light injury concerns. Uh, I, I think there's the opportunist there. I think he sees the value in having a running back to maybe potentially pawn off later or just have for depth. So. And uh, a great thing that if the board falls this way for Kramer, he's almost assured a wide receiver one-ish type guy coming back through uh, just because there's only been eight receivers taken. Uh, you 
figure top 12 receivers are your wide receiver ones. He's going to get a guy right on that border um, just to, depending on who he likes. Yeah. Yep. Um, we kind of lead into a similar situation here with Woods having Ezekiel Elliott and Daryl Henderson. Um, so interesting thing to remember last year, Woods did trade Nick Chubb late in the season for Patrick Mahomes. Um, do you think he kind of is appealed by Patrick Mahomes again, or do you think he's going to grab A.J. Brown? So this is why Greg took Mahomes last year early, because he was stuck in quarterback hell the year previous. Obviously, if you're trading for Patrick Mahomes midseason, uh, you're in quarterback hell, most likely. Uh, I think Mahomes is very appealing. I think with the two running backs, he goes receiver. I think he is the one that takes A.J. Brown finally off the board. What a steal. Yep. Um, that, that is very late for A.J. Brown, who, yes, they got Julio, um, but I think the talent's there to be wide receiver one. Absolutely. Okay, and then we have Luke, um, Kamara, and Josh Allen in our mock right now. I think, once again, this is a guy who kind of uh, has – he's gone wide receiver, wide receiver in the first round before. He kind of likes playing with different strategies. He has taken Josh Jacobs quite a bit recently, so I don't think he's on the board for him. I think he goes wide receiver as well, tries to build out uh, kind of a, a wide receiver one, running back one, quarterback one stackish, And I think he probably goes with, once again, kind of my reasoning behind um, – Greg's pick watches a lot of AFC West football. Keenan Allen gets to see him quite a bit. He's a great technician out there. Uh, I think that's where he goes. Another, I think, great value. Coming back here um, to the front of the draft um, in the second round, I think there's an opportunity where some of these guys, the Kramers, the Woodses, the Lukes, are going to have opportunities to get wide receivers that they have no business having um, in the second round. But yeah, I mean, the keepers at, and the running back emphasis, there's going to be opportunity, I think. You look at uh, Higgins' team construction if the draft falls this way with Josh Allen, who last year finished as quarterback one in fantasy, Kamara, who is no doubt in the top tier of fantasy running backs, and Keenan Allen, who has just been very consistently wide receiver one the last three, four years. Um, with an ascending quarterback, uh, you, you'd you have to love walking out of the first two rounds with those two guys. Absolutely. Can't go wrong there. Okay, on to Carter. Uh, he has Dalvin and CeeDee Lamb locked this in. This is where Patrick Mahomes comes off, Kevin, right before you, uh, giving you uh, kind of an interesting option. Um, I know Patrick Mahomes having running back one, quarterback one is is great. Carter, obviously big fan of the Vikings, but he also is a big Chiefs guy, and I think if Mahomes slides down to the second, he's going to jump. Yeah, I, you know, and the, the site we're using for this, I think, has um, has Mahomes kind of pushed up to the top a little bit. I think he's, if I remember correctly, I don't have my PPR sheet, ESPN PPR sheet in front of me. I think he's 44. Uh, that, right that, now, in regular ADP uh, for ESPN, all fantasy leagues, he's 18th. So this 18th. is 
This is wow. right where he's going usually in drafts. Interesting. I, what, what I was going to say with the ESPN sheet is I think all that goes out the window when you're talking about Patrick Mahomes. Somebody's going to love him. Somebody's going to draft him early. Yep. It uh, so gives I, you kind of a great choice uh, here, Kevin. You can go with the ultimate RB build. Uh, you can get a tight end one and George Kittle. Where do you see yourself going uh, with this with your second round pick? If it falls this way, I'm going to have kind of an interesting choice with I'd love Terry McLaurin. I think he could take the leap to maybe not the wide receiver one, but way up there um, territory. I just don't like the Gibson McLaurin stack. So I think you're going to see me pick Allen Robinson on the on the two side. And then for the three side, I'm going to leave that open. You probably don't see me go wide receiver, wide receiver. That could change. Um, but I, I, you're probably going to be a hell of a build with McCaffrey, Gibson, and two top end uh, wide receivers. You could be set to go. Uh, also, with the draft falling this way, if you get George Kittle, top tier tight end, gives you some of that value as well. So, um, Boy, Kevin, I haven't really sat and I've done this, really thought about each pick. I just have kind of mocked and the computer does it for me. Um, but it is interesting to see it fall out this way. Yeah, yeah. It, and, you know, this is all I guess. You know, if one of these picks is even different, then everything after it kind of changes. But I think it's it's interesting to think about how other players are going to be picking. So maybe a good exercise for everybody to kind of think through um, in those day, hours or days leading up to the draft. Yeah, especially with the, the Vikings and Chiefs homers we have in here. Uh, some of those players get, get pushed up the board. Um, so, real, real quick, um, I have the draft board pulled up. Pick one team on there that you would slam dunk making the playoffs with that uh, starting three players. Um, there's a lot of good teams just because of some keepers. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Garrett. Um, I'm a Jonathan Taylor believer. I think he ascends. Uh, obviously, there's kind of a mess going on with COVID and injuries with that Colts offense right now. But they'll get it figured out. I think Carson Wentz kind of brings your floor up a little bit if he can return to form. Um, and Jonathan Taylor is going to reap the benefits. Uh, and then you're talking about an Adams Hopkins stack at wide receiver, which gives you I, uh, I mean, out, there's no one that has even close to a wide receiver build like that in this league. Uh, if the draft falls this way, the closest one um, is a Tyreek Hill Judy stack, or if you went McLaurin, your stack of uh, Robinson McLaurin, not even close to an Adams Hopkins stack. Um, so that's that's a build that I really like going wide receiver, wide receiver. And, you, you know, that probably would have been my pick, too, except for the fact that Garrett is cursed and is not <laughs> possibly making the playoffs. Yeah, all three of those guys are injured. And Yeah, injured. sorry for ruining their ruining your careers because Garrett picked you. That, um, that's too bad. Yeah, so we have usually done some bets here. Um, we usually bet on something fantasy-related. Uh, we are debuting a new segment. It's called Write That Down. Uh, we're going to make quantifiable predictions – uh, about football, about fantasy, about anything, anything that'd be quantifiable. We're going to physically write that down. We're going to keep track of our predictions, uh, hits and misses, and we're going to give ourselves a completion percentage, Kevin. 
we're chucking the ball down the field. Now, something I wanted to talk about on the podcast, kind of a live uh, session here. Should we give like a touchdown pass or like a certain above and beyond if your prediction is very outlandish and it hits? Uh, I, you almost have to. I'd, otherwise, the part that gets difficult if we're yeah. completing is that if I have a, a 30% completion and four touchdowns and you have a 50% completion and two touchdowns, who's better? Um, so I think for now, we're going to stick with completion percentage, but I, th- I like the touchdown pass idea. Um, and so we'll be making some predictions each week. I'm going to start us out with the write that down prediction. Um, this is kind of a weird one. So I'm going to blank out the actual name of the team I think is going to pick this player. I'm going to tell Kevin as we, when we wrap up the podcast, and we'll debut it after the draft, obviously, if my prediction hits or misses. So I believe, and I'm calling it, blank will draft David Johnson in our TKD fantasy football draft. Blank will draft him. Um, you can obviously think there's a, obviously we all went to you and I, there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, no, not, not the person I'm thinking of. Wow. Um, and, uh, the other one. Okay. Yeah, that's the <laughs> one. Um, so I think this person will draft David Johnson. Um, j- just kind of, that's how his draft style is taking, uh, veterans, uh, veterans that he knows it seems like. So I'm going to stick with. Blank will draft David Johnson. David Johnson, um, unless something happens to Philip Lindsay, has no business being drafted. So uh, that's one of my write that down predictions. Okay. Why why don't you go ahead? I'm going to kind of fill in. um, We might not always give the same number every week. So like you you said, you have three here. I think I'll have one. So um, we will balance out. But Mo has... Uh, kind of got jumped out um, with three big predictions in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and so I have a couple season long ones here that I wanted to get off my chest um, before the draft. Um, we talked about Sam Darnold. I told you I really liked it. I think Sam Darnold finishes as a top 10 fantasy wide quarterback uh, this season. I believe in the offense a lot. And I believe that escaping Adam Gase is a miracle cure for quarterbacks and wide receivers, running backs alike. And my final write that down prediction, write this down, Kevin, a 49ers receiver. I'm not saying which one a 49ers receiver will finish in the top 15 of receivers. Um, You can kind of guess there's a couple out there. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. Um, I believe in one of them. I believe one of them will be a top 15 receiver. All right. Let's write that down, write that down, write that down. I'm going to throw out one more. And it's going to be um, Jerry Judy will finish as a top 15 wide receiver. Wow. So I think that might be pushing the long ball a little bit. I'm not, I'm not going to say it's a touchdown, but I, I think it's pushing the limits a little bit. I'm willing to go out on a limb and say Jerry Judy will be a top 15 wide receiver. Okay, so there you hear it. We're writing those down. We have actually written them down. We'll be keeping track of completion percentage. Obviously, um, 
three out of the four will not be settled until the end of the season. I think our end of season wrap up podcast will be pretty explosive when it comes to write that down. Um, we will have something come off the board though, after our draft. Um, and then the podcast will be kicking in every week. So we'll have a bunch to write that down popping off. Uh, and I think it'll be a fun competition, Kevin. Yeah, I think it'll keep it interesting. And, uh, hopefully, uh, one of us doesn't pull away like I did last year. I still have to add up all the money you owe me. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. from just being better at knowing football than you. Um, um and something interesting, too, I think uh, we we have been pretty good at getting guest listeners on. If guest listeners want to get in the write that down race, maybe maybe a Mo versus Kevin versus listeners, uh, write that down race. Um, and we can kind of see who is uh, more knowledgeable in fantasy football. Yeah, I think we know who's going to win. But um, you're, you're yeah, all free to challenge probably, me. Yeah, probably the guy who's been in the championship the last four years, Kevin. I would assume the guy who's been in the championship the last four years is pretty good at fantasy football. Well, uh, and on <laughs> that note, um, they'll write that down. We'll conclude this uh, opening uh, season pod, and Getting we excited. will uh, see you guys at the draft. Absolutely. I'm going to be down there, frizzing. I'll be hopefully coming back from the Chance concert Saturday morning, um, if that happens. Hopefully see you all at the Iowa State UNI game. Hopefully yes. see you uh, frizzing. Big tailgate, frizzing, sa- Sunday morning before the yeah. draft. Uh, big time draft. We got CB um, drinking beer until he pukes. Or if he just wants to puke in front of us, I think that's good. All we want that's is fine. for him to puke. Just has to puke. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's been Moe McGee on TKD. Uh, we'll see you soon. See you soon.